Business Podcast. Good morning. Good morning, Bobby Flood. <laughs> apologies for everybody's ears out there. It's a rough way to start. Maybe, uh, maybe now you're awake though, and you'll listen and pay attention. Was that too loud? That was uh, extremely loud, and now I can't hear anything. So you had my levels up way too high. No, your levels are fine. You I just, just yelled. <laughs> you just yelled into the microphone. Bah! Here, let me turn yours down to zero. That's great. All right, everybody. Now we've got Jordan uh, out of the room. <laughs> all right, I'll, all right. I'll bring you back up. All right. We could, we could we can take a take two if you want. No, no, we're good. We'll okay, so all the listeners have our, they already know we have audio level inconsistency. They should be prepared for this. They should be. But there's a lot of things we should be prepared for and people aren't. I think the last year and a half has proved that, right? Well, I just want to say I was prepared for a pandemic. I didn't have to run out and buy masks. Okay, let's. That's actually a good, a good starting starting point. point because you've you've mentioned this before. <clears throat> Have you had to dig into any of those pandemic preparations? We used, I think, two N95 masks. N95 masks are a hot commodity, and so the reason N95 masks are so important is because they actually have the physical makeup to block virus-sized particles. And so they use them in industrial applications and in medical applications. And so because of the chatter and all of the, what would we call it, predictive programming, the pre-messaging that went on Mm -hmm. to build the fear in society for the last 15 years or so, as an attuned adult, should I say that? There, it was... In my case, it was the financial crisis of 2008 that really sort of set me in a tailspin and made me wonder about the world we were in because I don't know if you folks, our listeners are of a special flavor, I think, a special type of people out there. Undesirables. American Taliban. American Taliban. What did Hillary Clinton call us? Um, Deplorable. Deplorables. Yeah. Yeah. Clinging to your guns and your God and... Yeah, those are Obama's words. They, yeah. Bitter, bitter clingers. <laughs> Klingons. They cling to their guns I think we might have some Trekkies, Trekkies out there too, some Klingons. I disavow any association with Trekkies. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I feel like we're living through the Kobayashi Maru simulation. You know what that is? Um, isn't Kobayashi the hot dog eater? <laughs> that guy that can stuff down like <laughs> 50 hot dogs in a four-minute period? Yeah. Now that's amazing if you've ever watched that dude. It's just it's like he's loading a a shotgun or something with slugs. It's like whoosh, whoosh, Yeah. Whoosh. Then there's the there's the American guy that just keeps breaking his own records. I don't remember his name, but like every good American this last 4th of July, I sat down and watched people gorge themselves on soggy hot dogs and almost threw up watching it, but I'm a patriotic American. Well, hey Bobby, you may be interested to know this, but we have one of our loyal listeners happens to be what I would call an undiscovered pro-am champion eater. Hmm. Like this guy can pack it away and he brags about it and he lives up to his reputation too. Like when you, if you've had dinner with him, he'll politely just eat regular, but if need be, he can take him down and like, like he can eat really fast, like those and a lot, guys, or like just a competition. Just pack it in. He can comp it, pack it in, and go fast. Does he get a lot of 
free meals from those like if you can eat this thing you yeah well free. yes and that's what that's what i'm talking about because he has a, a set of stories the main one that i remember is the macy's kong cone challenge like he mm-hmm. he was able to down the kong cone appropriate i don't know if they had a time limit or like you just aren't going to be able to eat this much ice cream but when they were still doing that he he had the car he's a card carrying champion and for like had the free free ice cream for a year so he'd walk into macy's and get his he's the reason why they don't do those things anymore that is exactly right so dear listeners if you know who i'm talking about I, i don't know if there's any action we can take but that that's why we don't get free con cones at uh, <laughs> what, or that they don't do the My, challenge anymore. I don't, need, I don't know if this restaurant is even still around, but there used to be a sandwich place called Sensuous Sandwich. Do you ever eat there? It's kind of a. I remember that. Yeah, place. yeah. I thought they had pretty good sandwiches, if I remember right. Did yeah. they? Did they have a place down in Provo on the um, over by the University Mall? Am I remembering yeah, that right? Yeah, across the street from the university. See, this Mall. is a then long they, time ago. They had one like downtown Provo, but my picture was on the wall there for years because I I did the foot long challenge. You had to eat a foot long in under thirty minutes. Oh, you, think, we may oh, no, have twenty four. We may Sorry, have a competition. Twenty four inch. So, are you disclosing now to the audience that you are a champion pro? No, I can't. I can't eat like that anymore. Oh, that's too bad. We could. I was thinking we could arrange a podcast where we do an eat-off, no, which would be fun because it would just be the audio. I would be commenting on you versus this other friend, the Kong winner. We'll call him King Kong. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think that might. That might. That would end that badly might be for the you. death nail for our audience. I know they're all. I know you're all out there hanging by a thread. Well, let me retrace this. Tr- this. Um, tangent back see i was talking about waking up to the world being different than i thought and i think that most of our listeners out there probably have some moment in time where they can go back and point to where their 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 outlook on the government and the nature of the world dramatically changed and maybe maybe it's the coronavirus episode maybe it's the coronavirus episode but the the reason this tangent started right off the bat was that I mentioned that I was prepared with the N95 masks. And we and our family has traditionally been preparedness minded. You know, I've done Boy Scouting. What's the motto of the Boy Scouts? Don't t- uh, so, wait. What? Something about oh. gasoline and fire, right? <laughs> well, back w- <clears throat> when be prepared it was is the be, motto. Yeah, be prepared. I thought the new motto was, no, sir, I did not touch him. But Right, that's the new slogan. It used to be, do a good turn daily. You remember that. And now it's, uh, we have no money left. We've filed for bankruptcy. They do have a lot of assets in land. They have some of the most coveted properties in the United States. Some very valuable land. Which I imagine they'll probably start selling off. Soon. Well, they mortgaged the big ranch down in Texas, didn't they? And they and they that that was pretty terrible because the place had been donated upon the conditions that it never be put at risk. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There was something probably. About, nah. 
Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. You guys, you guys don't <laughs> want to hear about the Boy Scouts. Well, the point is, you know, I grew up to to be a preparedness type of person, sure. and you know, remember Y two K? When I was a young married kid, and Y two K was about to hit, we got prepared a little bit. You know, we got some water storage and food storage. We were worried that the computers would royally screw up in some way and cause a disruption in the. A, a disturbance in the space-time continuum. I don't know what they were going to do, but did that was a kind of a big deal. And I, and was, I, I'm not. I don't come from a non-technical background. I thought, yeah, it's plausible. We could have some problems, so we got prepared. Was Y2K the f- first of these sort of modern fear fear events mo- movements? Well, remember. I remember uh, obviously during the like when we were kids, there was always this thread of like nuclear war with russia right but that seemed really out there yeah i know growing up here in utah there was always the 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 earthquake the earthquake right the big one but it seems like y2k might have been like an upgrade in the fear propaganda in that it was something that sort of affected the whole country and even the whole world and and since then there's just been one after the other after the other from well, we, 9-11 to terrorism to financial collapses to now this virus thing, which this isn't new. The virus, they've, they've, they've pushed these pandemics. There's been, what, five or six pandemics in the last 30 years? Well, definitely since 9-11, the name of the game has been Motivate by Fear. Change the world by fear, for sure. Well, yeah, and climate change wasn't... They've been trying to do that since it. the 80s, right? Like first it was global cooling, then it was global warming, yeah, and now the, it's just called the climate change. The same guys talking about global melting now were warning about a, a massive ice age back in the 70s. Like the literally the same individual people. I think the the media has been very very powerful in America, but we haven't been as interconnected and and tuned into it. As, as we are now until recently, right? It doesn't, I mean, everybody, it's the advent of the smartphone that allows them to jerk people around like this, doesn't it? Because before the smartphone, even even when the internet was new, you still would sit down and take your time on the computer and then go do something else. Now you get pinged. I remember early on reading a, a study that said that email, because you by default, those email programs would check your email every few minutes and people mm-hmm. would switch that to every one minute or something that that the email notifications were you've more, got dopamine right yeah it was your more it was more damaging than than marijuana than pot smoking to your mental state to be sitting there waiting for the notifications and now everybody's got a smartphone with what three or four different social apps and they're getting barraged by more than that three I or mean, four not three or four i think people i think some people have eight or ten little things that ping them and and so they can't, they can't least. have a coherent thought in their heads. You remember the the short story Harrison Bergeron that we've linked mm-hmm. to in the past. One of the things they would do to the smart people is they would have uh, random sounds go off in their head to distract right. them from whatever they were thinking. How is that not exactly what's going on with your smartphone? Sorry, what? Answer the question. I don't, I'm looking at. Sorry, I'm on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> well, since while Bobby's looking at Twitter. I'm going to go back to the early 2000s, and if you remember, we had the 9-11 thing, and, and there was a, 
a fairly lengthy period after 9-11 where we were all focused on Islamic terrorism. You had the 7-7 bombings and the shoe bomber, the underwear bomber, if the jockstrap bomber, say something. the fairy princess shoe bomber, uh, the eyeglass bomber. There was all these bombers that caused us to have to lock up everything. And have uh, very well, very the, wealthy the elite security people state create, yeah, came, create came security from that. TSA mech- the surveillance security apparatus for us to keep us safe. So that was all going on in the two thousands, but then uh, two thousand eight you get the financial crisis and that upended my world. Right, so I I thought because coming out of college being a good student, I thought everything. Well, I didn't. I wasn't like believing everything, but I'm looking at the world going. Okay, I pretty much have a good handle on how this works. What you do is you you try to be really smart, get rich. Republicans are better than Democrats. You know, I did you you were different. You always question stuff, right? Well, I think I question things because I'm not smart enough to understand anything. But I kind of had that same background too. Yeah, there was like a certain mold we were we were built in that we were supposed to a uh, path we were supposed to follow. The financial crisis kind of opened me opened my eyes too in a way and I think I think for me it was it could it could come down to George W Bush saying we had to destroy the free market to save the free market. I remember just thinking that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't I don't even remember him saying that, but I remember the whole too big to fail thing and the tarp bailout and right. I remember getting really upset about it writing into Congress and having Everybody that I knew, we all thought that it was stupid that they were going to try to bail out the banks. The whole idea was we had had a collapse catalyzed by Lehman Brothers failing, and it was clear that the markets were screwed up. And this being America, we were supposed to have a level playing field, and we were supposed to see a, a pretty significant reset right there, which I think would have created a lot of opportunity for everybody had they not pumped a bunch of money into the economy, into the hands of the big financial interests and allowed them to essentially buy up the real estate. Right now we're seeing that most of the, not most of the real estate, but there are significant segments of residential real estate owned by big investment uh, houses. What would you call them? They're not really hedge funds. They're like investment funds like uh, BlackRock and Vanguard. There, there are s- some massive swaths of real estate that are owned by the corporate interests and they don't have any incentive to sell. They don't, you know, there's no reason these people will sell. They just, they're creating a new rent taking segment of the economy. And anyway, I think some of us could see that type of potential developing out of the fact that the government bailed out their cronies, right? The, the policymakers bailed out, these cap—I don't even know if I'd call them capitalists. They're—that's—that's that's a good discussion we could have sometime. Is what is what is capitalism really? But they bail these guys out, and it wasn't a free market, like you said. George Bush and his buddies destroyed it. Remember Hank Paulson and all those guys, mm-hmm. and the phrase "too big to fail" versus "too big to jail" became popular, and a lot of people talked about. Why? What caused it? Which woke that—that that was the stuff that woke me up, or helped me to understand more about the true nature of the world. When I realized there were quite a few 
commenters out there who saw this coming. They prepared for it. They 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 recognize these are what we'd call contrarians or Austrian econ- economists. They realized that the 2008 thing was going to happen. They weren't sure when, but George Bush's quote was. <clears throat> I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system to make sure the economy doesn't collapse. It had already collapsed. <laughs> right. But what they, well, what they and, were... And you're, you're right in that, this, that argument. That argument goes back to uh, like Hayek. Hayek used to make... It was Hayek versus um, Keynes. Keynes. And there's a great... Did you ever see the rap battle? The rap battles, yeah. They do the boxing match imagery. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> But yeah, that's an old argument. And basically, the, the the fundamentals of it were: do you flood an economy with printed fake money, essentially, or do you stick to sound principles? And it's become known as Keynesian Keynesian economics is basically this this bailout economics. Well, it's it's when the government starts to fiddle with everything, and the idea is that they can't rationally. You can't manipulate print. themselves into a yeah, good economy. You can't print your way out of recessions or you know artificially inflate. You need to let the, you're or, supposed to let the free market take care of stuff like that. Right. And the problem is the free market doesn't pick their winners and their losers. And that's that's what the 2008 thing showed is that there were certain winners and certain losers, and the government got to pick who that was. So you're telling me that the government decided which businesses were essential and which were non-essential, and we see it. They, they would never do they would that. never do that well anyway that, that was can you a, imagine if they actually told individual people that what you do is non-essential therefore you're not allowed to do it they would never do that <laughs> well you posed a question right here at the start of this podcast and so i'm just saying that's that's what, was the what question i think it was uh <laughs> i asked you if you dipped into your you asked if we preparations. were yeah you asked uh if I was prepared. I think I asked you if you had used your preparations. Besides the masks, did you have to get into those preparations? No, but that's not what started this because you said something about being prepared and I said I was prepared. Right. Maybe we'll never know until we go back and listen to this again. You guys think we actually go back and listen to this? What that initial (laughs) comment was. But I, I was saying, yeah, I was prepared and didn't have to use... I think we used two N95 masks. And the reason they only really work if they're properly fitted, right? You can't just take them on and off, on and off the way we see people out there in the grocery store or whatever with their fake cloth masks with the Etsy uh, bejewels and things, right? It depends on what kind of an environment you're in, whether those N95s work. Like if you're in a a room full of viruses that you're breathing in, which means somebody has to be actively coughing all over the place, then yeah, you need to have it properly fitted and then you have and a chance. Pair, and then pair it with goggles, gloves, a hood, a hazmat suit and everything nah, else. I don't know if you need the hazmat suit. It depends. The, they, they sold, they've sold us... Uh, essentially, they are terrorists, right? They've terrorized the mind, meaning the media, the oligarchy, have terrorized us into thinking that viruses are that bad. I don't think they are. Especially well, those that can spread via aerosol. So, right. If they were, we would we would have all died off generations ago. Right. If you want to mitigate your risk of catching a cold that you think is a particularly bad cold, then yeah, you might wear an N95 mask and wash your hands if you're in very close proximity to somebody who's sneezing and coughing. 
But other than that, I think everything else they've told us about this coronavirus is a bunch of bullcrap. There was a... Well, everything they've told us about everything. The CDC, is a bunch of we, we know, and we've linked to these before. Now I'm going to have to try to dig them up. But there were two CDC articles, I think, or, or studies that were done that I think are relevant. Number one, fomite spread or surface spread is a, you have a one in 10,000 chance of catching coronavirus off of a surface. Okay. That's, that is a huge thing. And they, well, you notice really, we're not really wiping everything down anymore. No, At first, we well, were wiping stuff down. That's, that's, that's to our, our demise you know the australians got it figured out they uh they got it figured out well, before not you... only are they locking each other into quarantine camps but but they and i'm pulling up a photo here they are wiping down rugby goal posts after matches and they're keeping their country safe by oh doing my that. gosh brought to you by mcdonald's of course but this photo if you haven't seen it we'll link to it Officials wipe down the goalposts with sanitizer after last night's game in Perth. And it looks like some some rugby goalposts. <laughs> and they're literally these guys in hazmat suits are wiping down. Okay, I don't even. I know you love posts. to fixate on Australia. I don't even want to think about Australia sometimes. Australia is lost. It's fallen. It's a fallen colony. It's a fallen country. It is no longer part of the democratic Western civilization. It is a police state. There's, there's no other way to look at it well, unless all only, this news out of Australia yeah, is fake. Not only that, it's a false reality. It's like an absurd false reality police state. It's it's literally w- stranger than fiction. You have their like you, you couldn't like ten years ago. You we wouldn't believe right that it, Australia would do this. It looks like their press conferences look like something out of a bad Hunger Games type movie. And it's it's a bad movie because the the enemy here being coronavirus it's it's not a believable enemy like if you had a movie about this you'd be like what guys you'd be people would be yelling at the movie you know it'd be a mystery science theater 3000 or whatever where the audience can't help but yell at him it's just the common cold just don't get so scared you know don't you can beat it would be like a horror movie where the bad guy was uh ned ryerson running around with a nerf gun and you had uh, fully automatic weapons and tanks and stuff, and you could take him out, but you keep running away from him and letting him terrorize you and giving him all the stuff, and he still only has a Nerf gun to shoot at you. And he's out of darts. And he's out of darts. <laughs> yeah, Australia, we've talked about Australia a lot, and I've always said, watch them closely, watch New Zealand. They are the dress rehearsal. Well, I... They're the dress rehearsal for something. I don't think America is buying it, by and large. We still have the guns. We're still, we're buying it plenty, though. We're buying it plenty. You got plenty of places where you can't go and do things without, you know, showing your papers. Now, it was nice to see all these football stadiums full as college football is back. And all the people being triggered by well, that's it. what I'm talking about. The, they're, the authorities are struggling with the fact that the <clears throat> masses don't care. But the masses see the Nerf gun. But in a lot of cases, those masses at those games, in order to go to the game, had to show vaccine credentials. Let's not forget that. Did they have to show vaccine credentials or like a test? A, a at some of them, negative tests. So a lot of universities are requiring vaccines, but not in the South tests. and not in the not in Texas, not in. 
I don't know. Vegas, I mean, did, they, did the BYU game require it? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know for certain. Because that's an NFL stadium that they See, played in. The next step they're going to try to impose is they're going to require you to have a vaccine passport to watch the game. Well, I or saw, to get on the internet. I saw a headline just now that a Rutgers student who is unvaccinated is being barred from attending online classes. Because, you know, viruses do spread all over the internet. Why else would there be programs that are anti-virus? Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you remember the Good Times virus? Yeah. It could uh, get to the ice cream in your, yeah, date your girlfriend. refrigerator, date your girlfriend, yeah. Take your car out and wreck it. Well, we're living through an age of absurdity. Yeah. The g- Rolling this back, though, remember the, the CDC had that study on fomite spread they also did a study on asymptomatic spread in households and they found that uh if you're asymptomatic even inside your own household you have a less than one percent chance to spread it is asymptomatic a word that any of us used before 2020 no no you know what the word we used was healthy healthy yeah no one ever woke up in the morning feeling fine saying yeah, it's a really good point you're bringing up. I'm feeling fine today. I better go get tested to make sure I'm really fine. I better call in healthy today. So what what we're you, you're right. I'm glad you're changing the language here because what what we're saying is that this CDC study showed that healthy people don't spread viruses. You Only can't spread even, a virus. even in your own house. You can't spread a virus you don't have. You're 99% likely to not spread it even in your own house. And if you're symptomatic, then you have a 15 or 20% chance or something like that to spread it in your own house. That's that's what they showed with their studies, and so that that I had brought that up to back up the efficacy of, of N95 masks. Yeah, especially with something like this, we've known how to use masks. We know what they are. We know how they work, and so that's why I was prepared with N95 masks when this happened. And then that's why we've only used probably two of them. I think I I think I used one. My wife used one, and then I gave one to my daughter and son who were at college, just in case. And I don't think they've even used them. I think right. I still got the same mask in the truck just in case I need it for some reason. Maybe because I'm going to like spray pray, spray well, paint you, a car. You put your or mask. You hang sandblast your, something. You hang your mask off your rearview mirror so everyone knows that you're taking this seriously, right? No, I hang the mask off the rearview mirror when I want people to think I'm righteous. Right. Right. It's the. Oh, is that what you it's meant? It's like hanging, you know, a cross or prayer beads off your rearview mirror. Or fuzzy dice. Yeah. Because you enjoy gambling. I never, I don't know. I don't, I, I, the only thing I have on my mirror is, um, and it's not permanent, but it, if I need to go up the canyon or to a national park, I've got a national you got park a parks pass. pass. Yeah. Well, the reason I think, see, dear listeners, I, Bobby's feeling a little bit depressed today, and we've got to snap him out of the doldrums here a little bit. Well, I, there's no doldrums. No? It's mostly exciting drums. Really? Dol, doldrums. Dol, doldrums. That's an interesting word. It's like elf. That's fun to say. Francisco. Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> there's a really good movie right there. I thought elf was great. Elf is really good. So if you're feeling down bobby maybe you should be watching elf maybe 
Maybe. Well, I'm just a little you, like, tired. I've been okay. I've been, I've been. That elk, Mountain Dew's elk, not doing it for I've you. I've been elk hunting like eight out of the last ten days. How's that going? That's great. You're enjoying your time in the outdoors. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And who knew those elk are really hard to get close enough to to shoot with a bow. You haven't like fired off any long shots. What's a long shot with a bow? Have like you have you taken yards? any shots? No, we've been close. Hmm. Sort of close. How close? We saw some animals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we had some really close calls. Where, like, if they had t- these animals, if they'd taken another three or four steps, we might have got a shot off. Hmm. That's part of the fun. Are you hunting for the challenge of it or for the meat of it? Both. Yeah. Do you like elk? Yeah, it's really good meat. Venice, they don't call that venison, right? Uh uh-uh. uh. What do you call it? Elk. Just elk? Yeah. How come deer get two names? I don't know. I don't know. It goes back to probably some king, it's a deer, some king somewhere. It's a deer until it's on the table and then it's a venison. Yeah, just elk, elk, elk steak, elk sausage, elk jerky. What are you guys eating? Venison. Oh, good. I'm glad it's not deer. The last well, time I had a deer, it was kind of gamey. Let me, I don't know. Let's look it up. Let's look up. Our, our listeners are used to us answering these kinds of questions for them. Because we have access to the telestial world's god. Joking on an Altoid. The god of the celestial world is the Google search interface. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Have Click you, and it shall be given unto you. Have you ever wondered why some animals have one name when they are still alive and we call them something else when they are ready to be eaten? Like sheep? Yeah. That or, is the case with deer and its meat, venison. Why is deer meat called venison? This is according to eatingthewild.com. Deer meat is called venison because French Normans used it during the Norman invasion of the British Islands, and the name has stuck with it since then. The venison word originally comes from the Latin language. Its journey went from the Latin venari to hunt through the Latin venatio, hunting, and Old French venison to Middle English venison, meaning meat of a game animal. When in 1066, Norman French invaded what's known today as British Islands, they brought with them their language. So it's the French fault, the Frenchie's fault. Yeah, I guess. So there you go. That's Well, we love etymology here on the Mind Virus program. What this means is we can call almost any hunted meat venison well to revive the old if, meaning if you, yeah but that's a really really old meaning yeah but why not we can't even get people to use the word anarchy correctly oh, explain anarchy to well, me well what do you what comes to mind when you hear the word anarchy chaos yeah right right that's what everybody just had a image of like antifa riots mm-hmm. or something right well anarchy that's not what anarchy is anarchy is just the opposite of monarchy no, it's, it's the opposite of archy. It's the, it just means that there's no government. It doesn't mean chaos. Yeah, because monarchy is a form of government. You have oligarchy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's the opposite of a total government. It just means no government. Right. I think that's when correct. Did we start, when did we just start equating 
government with order. Well, that's the the Greek arche means uh, first in time or place or rank. It has to do with ruler. It comes to mean ruler, like yeah, no ar- ruler. archon is a, an archon is a ruler or mm-hmm. a leader. And so anarchy, that to I, I haven't looked this up, but I'm just going from what I know here. That's probably alpha privative. In, in Greek, they have a thing called alpha privative, which means that the alpha at the front negates what comes next. So it's kind of like when we use an M or an N or an un, you know, like unbelievable, impossible, improbable, irresponsible. Right. So the alpha there would, because it, there's another alpha following it in RK has it has to have an n to connect it to and so anarchy just means not archy right <laughs> if you're gonna we're gonna get really like technical that, what it means is no ruler or rules or governing body it doesn't mean chaos now it's come to mean that but that isn't the meaning of it well okay that's an interesting philosophical point there is the absence of order not chaos? Say that again. Is the absence of order not chaos? Well, what's chaos? Unorganized. Does chaos mean violence? So I'm thinking cosmically, you know, uh, metaphysically here, and you're thinking about the way that things happen here in the world. Yeah, I mean... Chaos can mean just matter unorganized. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Right. But order... The waters of chaos. The waters of chaos are a a significant cosmological element relative to this. all this stuff we like to talk about, right? The hero's journey, cosmology. You know, we really haven't gotten into that stuff in a very organized way. I've rambled on a little bit about it. I don't think we've gotten into anything in an, in an organized way. So it's been an, <laughs> an, an unorganized way? A chaotic way? Well, Would you call it chaos? That's up to the listener to, de- to decide, I guess. Maybe that will be the title of our podcast today. Would you call it chaos? But see, that's one of the, one of the key components of a free society, and we still have remnants of that in our lives today, is chaos in the sense that if you kind of zoom out and imagine people moving through the economy and moving through their lives, it would just be static. People going this direction and that direction randomly. You can't, you can't put any kind of sense of control over that, over that many decisions, over that many, over that, okay, so that got- many people doing... All kinds of it's like trying to centrally command an economy. You can't do it. Central planning doesn't work. Okay, but you just introduced a third variable here because we had order, we had lack of order, and now you have control. Does order necessarily require control? That is a question that I would like our listeners to ponder upon. It does if you're a tyrant. Because order, what do you mean? You, what do you mean? You can have spontaneous order. You, no, I don't know that you can have spontaneous order, but you can have. No, you can. How? A group of people can get together and 
just without anybody saying anything, that group of people can decide not to start murdering each other. Okay, but that's not necessarily spontaneous. That's That requires the right people be involved, right? They have some preconceived no. order. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I think if you randomly took a thousand people and dropped them onto an island, you'd have a pretty good chance of them... Turning into Lord of the Flies. Maybe, yeah. But you'd also, I think you'd have a greater chance of them. Have you never watched the movie, the series Lost? or Yeah, but that was stupid. <laughs> you, 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 you'd probably have a very good chance of them just figuring out how to exist. They would peaceful cr- but they would, they would together create an order. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. It might just be that somebody, somebody stands up and says, okay, hey, let's just, let's take this easy. Let's not kill each other. But that's the order right there. Well, some of them may, yeah, but that's, there's no enforcement. He doesn't have a gun to their heads. That's control. Right. That's why I'm saying order can be spontaneous. You don't have to have. But that's not spontaneous because the one guy stood up and said, let's do this. Right. That's spontaneous. Well, he was spontaneous, but then he initiated a, a and pe- yeah, and then everyone else can say, yeah, I, I think he's probably right. Let's go with this. And now we have to define spontaneous here. So spontaneous <laughs> was he just out of the blue? No, maybe I don't know. Maybe he felt maybe in his past life he was a CEO or a tyrant. Maybe he just looked around and said, nobody's saying what needs to be said. I'll say it. Okay, the point so is there's no there's no I'm threat this of violence. Experience. There's no threat of violence. I'm, I'm liking this thought experience. Experiment right now, we have a threat of violence that is supposed to be enforcing this order and control in our society. The threat of violence is if you don't behave, you're going to be uh, violently punished, or if you do these certain things, you'll be violently punished. And we're going through a period of our history where normal behaviors like smiling at the grocery store at somebody is considered an act of aggression. But in our little thought experiment, our little island, I think everybody would recognize really quickly that to start murdering everybody would just lead to the destruction of the society or to even start hoarding resources or, you know, whatever. Now, you might have little factions break off. You know, maybe 30 people go over here to that part of the island. Maybe 50 go over here and yeah, and then for what, themselves. Yeah, and then when the one gets more rich than the other, then the wars start? Possibly. Have you ever read the Book of Mormon? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's also the history of the tribal tribal America, you know. Un, un, unlike what stupid movies like... Uh, uh, Avatar try to tell you primitive tribal nomadic peoples are actually very violent. Stupid movies like Avatar. Avatar is one of the worst movies ever made. Are we talking about the blue Avatar? Yeah. Not the airbender? Yeah, that's that's called The Last Airbender. That's not called Avatar. Okay, well, I just recently watched a cartoon (laughs) series called Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yeah, that's a good series. that's the Avatar that I have on my mind. So you're talking about the blue Avatar. Yeah, James Cameron's idiotic... Where where they have the unobtainium. Yeah, that's how creative they were. They They called the metal unobtainium. It's like a placeholder name. Can't get it easily, um... This metal is called worth a lot, lot of money. Um, <laughs> like, come on, like, and then they portray these blue people as. So you have this tree, right? This coveted tree that the Avatar people. I don't know where they're called. It's the Na- tree Navi. of life. Navi. That's the other thing. They were called Navi. Come on. What's that mean? 
well, it sounds like naive. Like, it's just so stupid. So they have this tree, right? And it's valuable to all the different tribes of the naive or navis, na- naivetes. And yet they never once fight over it? Mm, nah. Mm-mm. History says otherwise. Every nomadic tribe in the world has had wars over resources. But not on Nauvoo. What's the name of the planet that they're at? It's not Nauvoo. <laughs> it sounds like Navi. And it's not what, Nauvoo. What was the name of the planet? I have no idea. I saw that movie once. It was the dumbest thing I ever saw. And I said, I'm not, I'm not watching this movie ever again. Okay, well, that's too bad. There's a lot of interesting symbolism in the movie The symbolism Avatar. that I saw in it was money bad, white man bad, blue man perfect, White man ruins everything. It was just your typical, like, Fern Gully dumb. There's a movie that I haven't seen, Fern Gully. It's just a dumb, it's just a dumb, unoriginal, white man bad movie. James Cameron, name some other movies he's done. Well, Titanic. Okay. How well did he do with that? He, he did okay. How, how well did he do with Avatar? I don't know. I don't know. Pretty dang good. Weren't they both in the top 10? Probably. Highest grossing. Name some um, other James Cameron movies. Uh, the Abyss, I think, was him. Terminator was Cameron, wasn't it? Uh, might have been. He's been involved in some really interesting oh, yeah, I'm not shows. Saying, yeah, yeah, he's not a bad director at all. In fact, no, I'm not he's, saying... He's a great filmmaker. No, but I, I mean, like, like meaningful comment. Like, Terminator was pretty interesting. I read an article off of Zero Hedge just yesterday about uh, new Lockheed Martin skunk works out in California where they have this manufacturing capability that sounds a lot like Skynet. You're familiar with the Terminator series, right? And yeah, what Skynet yeah. is? It's been a while, but yeah. Skynet is the computer program that then decides to nuke the world. So he did, um, yeah, he did Terminator, Terminator 2, Terminator Dark Fate, the Abyss, Avatar three, which is supposed to release in twenty twenty four. Has there been an a, the, the Avatar? The Avatar <laughs> what's funny about the Avatar series is that Cameron's been talking about releasing a sequel to Avatar forever for a long time. Yeah, and they can't do it. He did uh, Aliens, um, which was another big hit. Alien, right? This is Sigourney Weaver. Um, Aliens. It's called Aliens? 1986, Aliens. Aliens is a 1986 sci-fi action film written and directed by James Cameron. Is that Sigourney Weaver? Yeah. The one where the... It's a sequel to the 1979 science fiction horror film Alien. Oh, okay. And the second film in the Alien franchise set in the far future. The film stars Sigourney Weaver as Lieutenant Ellen Ripley. Okay, so... The, the bet the one of the funniest moments in cinema is in Spaceballs when the alien opens its mouth and then the next one opens its mouth and then the next like they have like a remember right, that yeah or when the the alien pops out of the guy's stomach and does a vaudeville dance right Spaceballs now there's a movie we could review <laughs> that would mean I'd have to watch it again <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be elk hunting um Okay, so archy versus anarchy versus control. I'm, I'm. Do you, do you disagree or agree with me that there's that third element? You got chaos, order, and then control. Yeah, 
there of or course di- there is. or dominion we'll call it dominion the problem is the problem is we have equated order and control we've decided that you can't have order without control without force we we, we could equate our control yeah point with force right and so you have stupid you have stupid ideas out there like taxation is the hallmark of a civilized society things like that or like like anarchy is only violence and murdering and burning and so looting. I, I'm I'm just I'm trying to make you support your original thesis, I think, which was that an- anarchy or lack of government doesn't necessarily lead to violence. And I think you're correct, but it has to do with context, right? Like if we just put a bunch of people on an island, I do think you end up with warring factions pretty quick. And, and, possible. and resource it's wars. Possible. But if you put the right people on an island, you could end up with utopia. I don't think you'd ever end up with utopia, but you can still have peaceful. See, a, a peaceful society doesn't gonna necessarily have zero conflict. The whole idea, I think, is what, what motivates the people, right? Like, what, what motivates our society right now? What, why, why does somebody not go out to a grocery store and start shooting up the joint? Do you, do, you, do you do that because of fear of being caught or do you do that because you're a moral person and you know that's wrong? I would think 99 out of 100 people would say, I wouldn't do that because I'm a moral person and I know that's wrong. Then you might have one guy go, well, I'd do it if I knew I wasn't going to get caught. Well, what has motivated American society for the last 200 years? Has it been the the idea that they would get caught or get thrown in prison or has it been their Protestant Catholic upbringing, the Judeo-Christian If we're talking about ethic. regular, everyday people, I would, I would say the majority is their Judeo-Christian background. And then the deterrent of the police and the laws, the law enforcement sort of keeps the, the evil side of that in check, right? Yeah, like maybe. You, because the, the people that... The people that are on the fence, the smaller percentage of people that are on the fence, they decide not to engage in bad behavior because they realize society takes offense at that and throws people in prison. Yeah, I think there's a small group of, small number of people, small percentage that that don't commit crimes that they kind of want to commit or thinking about committing because they're afraid they would go to jail. Right. We've, we but have, obviously it's not enough because there's plenty of criminals and our prisons are all full. Well, the reason our prisons are full is because of mandatory sen- sentencing on drugs. Yeah, yeah we've talked about that in episode eight. But uh, you, you know the United States has a higher percentage of the per capita incarcerated than pretty much any country? Like right, we, because we, it's a big business. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's the next. maybe that's the next business to be like... Uh, kind of propped up by this, these requirements. We had in health insurance a little while ago, right? With Obamacare, everyone's yeah, now yeah. forced to, to buy health insurance. Now we're doing it with, with these vaccines and everybody's basically forced to buy big pharma products. Maybe the next one's big prison. And we all have to, we're, every, we have to spend two weeks out of the year in prison paying our own way. I think it's war. I, think, I don't think we're going to end there. I think it, that maybe, maybe concentration camps might be an enterprise that some of these big companies are going to profit well, off of. They're not going to call them that. They're going to put them up in nice hotels and you'll have to pay your own way and they'll be called quarantine camps like they're doing in Australia. You think so? 
Well, they are doing that in Australia. Yeah, but that, they're that's internment because the, camps. That's because there's a higher percentage of the people willing to go along with it in Australia. Here in the United States, you might see some voluntary. Well, you've kind of had that though. You've had people who have voluntarily locked themselves in their homes and, you know, ejected themselves out of society. And those people are getting mad. They're very mad at people who, like us, who just continue to live our normal, boring lives. Yeah. I I was enjoying our thought experiment here with the discussion about how society would be and why why it is as orderly as it is, if we want to call it that. We did an episode entitled "You Might uh, Signs You Might Be Dating a Psychopath." Mm-hmm. That was kind of a fun one, and we've discussed this previously that there's a certain percentage of the population that is psychopathic or sociopathic. It's about three to five percent people think, which means three out of a hundred. That's a lot. That means in your family you probably have one or two. Well, if they ever psychopaths, it might be in three, your extended family. Three out of a hundred might be three out of a hundred in normal society what is it in among governments it's got to be like 90 out of 100 well the contention is that people who like to control and have no feelings or no conscience they tend to gravitate towards positions of power where they can take more because they just don't care certainly seeing that from certain people i mean these australian government people these things that they're saying are remarkable well the idea is that the those psychopaths have been held in check traditionally in our Judeo-Christian oriented society by the laws and by the threat of force, right? By the threat of jail, by the threat of punishment. But because the government has become so big, they see that as an opportunity to exercise their will to get what they want through through the system legally. And that is, I guess, Typically, why when the laws become corrupt, then the, then the society is destroyed because those people use the mechanisms of government to do whatever they want. And I again, we've talked about this before, but the, the one there, there was one episode in the Afghan debacle that I think illustrates the lateness of the game and where we're really at in the world right now. And that was their president fleeing at the first sign of trouble, not the... Not after attempting to, to maintain control, just at the very first sign of trouble, he flees the country with $187 million. I think it was $187 million. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I heard it was like $500 million. He With as much It was a cash, lot of money. As and much he, cash he as they could carry. tarmac. Yeah, as he much cash as they could carry in, in a plane. helicopter and multiple, uh, multiple vehicles. He left the country just in his own self-interest. Well, yeah, he left, and there doesn't seem to be any sort of attempt or effort to go get him. Right. That's another thing that's crazy. Wouldn't wouldn't Fox or MSNBC MSNBC be out there saying like, "We found him. We got him in Yemen or in Pakistan or wherever." The the guy they captured him. They brought the money back I mean, to the Afghans. If you were Joe Biden, wouldn't you want to at least? talk to the guy maybe ask him a few questions well there was a report on the fact that he did talk to him in advance and told him to misrepresent the situation right but i'm not going to go into the details of a personal conversation oh okay <laughs> that was but the, we're going to impeach that was the press donald trump yeah, based over on the, a personal, yeah, a personal conversation. conversation right no w- w- the theatrics of this all are remarkable so do we have in this country then archy or anarchy you have you have your we are closer and closer to total 
Arky. Arky. What we have is a bad Arky. <laughs> okay. Well, you have not an, we have an oligarchy, but it's a bad Arky. We have a situation right now that certain cities and states and regions and people, individuals have decided that they aren't going to do anything. They're not going to go out to lunch until the government gives them permission to do so. You, we had, you know, last year we had a situation where none of us were allowed to work unless the government gave us permission to and set parameters around. You can still earn a living, but you have to do it from home. You, oh, you, you're not essential. You don't get to earn a living, but it's just for two weeks while we save these other people's jobs. In order to save the jobs of doctors and nurses, your job has to be ruined. I have to destroy the free market economy to save the free market economy. And of course, we know that the, the, the spread was never slowed or whatever they promised. None of that worked. The curve wasn't Turns out flattened. it's a seasonal illness. And what we have is a gigantic transfer of wealth upward from the middle class to the very, very elite, you know, the so-called 1%. I would say it's even, you know, it's like half of 1%. There's like 40 people. There's a image out there floating around, and I don't know if it's real. You don't know anything anymore, but it shows this giant state-of-the-art Amazon warehouse surrounded by Mexican hovels. It's this Mexican warehouse, uh, Amazon distribution center. Really? And it just looks like something out of a out of a dystopian movie. Did you ever see the movie Elysium with Matt Damon? No. That's what it sounds like. There It kind of reminded me of Idiocracy. I have seen that movie where the whole world just kind of covered in garbage. Yeah. That movie could have been a lot more interesting. It was pretty stupid. Which maybe was the point. I mean, it's called yeah. idiocracy, but it could have been. I think it could have been a, a much more interesting commentary on the trajectory of our. What was the uh, name of the drink they were watering their plants with? It was every yeah. It was Powerade. Or was it? Were they watering it with a, a name brand thing? It was a man. It was a brand name. <clears throat> it was a brand name that they made up for the movie. It was called like, I don't know. We could look it up. <laughs> well, anyway, in Idiocracy, Idiocracy is hilarious. It's also kind of raunchy. But it, it, the start of it is quite kind of... Brondo. Huh? Brondo. It's called Brondo? Yeah. The start of it's really funny because it goes through this thought experiment about how all the really intelligent people have decided not to have children because they're they're conflicted and they want to be able to take really good care of them or whatever. But the guys that are lower IQ are proliferating like rabbits and that goes on for centuries until the lower IQ people just right. become commonplace. And, and this, this guy gets stuck in an army experiment and ends up getting put asleep, right? He gets cryo-freezed or something. I, I can't remember. Yeah. For a year. Supposed He's to be supposed year. to only be out for a year. He ends up out for 500 years and then the society has changed. the guy who... The, the the military officer running the experiment while the guy's frozen gets uh, indicted and arrested for for corruption, corruption. For, for like prostitution yeah well cuz he something. went undercover with the 
prostitution ring and basically became part. I don't know. It's like I said, it's the it's, dumbest thing. It's ever. funny. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's stupid, but it's kind of funny. But anyway, the the whole premise of the movie it, when the guy goes into the future, when he wakes up in the future, is that he's the smartest guy around, and the corporations have have set up these mechanisms that are run by the now far less intelligent people and all they're all they're interested in is corporate profit and corporate consumption and so at some point they changed they decided that if this what was it called again bro brondo brondo if brondo which is like gatorade right it's like an energy drink it's an electrolyte drink yeah if, if it was good for people it would be really good for plants and so they started spraying their plants with it. And then because of all the salt in it, they killed all their plants. And the solution that the guy from the past, who's now the smartest guy in the world, decides to employ to fix their problems is to water the plants with water. Right. <laughs> Which was a big problem for them because they, they didn't want to change the watering system. Well, they all said, you mean like, from the toilet, toilet water. Like that water was only for something for the toilet. Well, he goes. He goes to the hospital early on to figure out what's wrong with him, and they he finds they have a drinking fountain uh, that only dispenses Brondo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's got electrolytes. That's what everyone says. He's like, "Why are you watering your plants with this? It's got. Or electrolytes. why are you feeding this to your plants? Well, it's got electrolytes. Do you even know what electrolytes are? It's what's in Brondo." i mean they do a good job of showing how stupid people can become and and honestly like we're in a lot of ways we're we've been there you know we we are being dumbed down as a society well i would i would recommend having a look at elysium if your if your palate allows r-rated movies that is more of an action show it's violent that's that's its problem and the premise of that movie is that the elites have built a space station and the people on earth are living in squalor and they are also working for the elites in warehouses like this Amazon warehouse that you described where you've got hovels broken down everywhere and then this state-of-the-art facility where they make the robots that enforce the, the archy, okay, that enforce the order and they also build all the really sophisticated medical equipment for the people up in, in the space station they call Elysium. It's kind of interesting. Right. There's a lot of parallels in the real world with movies, and, and so far we are definitely becoming a dystopian movie that we're all living through. <laughs> But I was thinking about this the other day. There's a lot of good going on, going on in the world, a lot of really good things, and none of it, or almost none of it, is coming from our institutions. Our institutions are just factories of bad news and bad things, but individuals are doing good things. They're taking care of each other. Despite the, this push for all of us to hate each other, there's people who refuse to do that, and there's even people from you know, so-called opposite walks of life who are coming together you see this in you know these vax passports vax ports vax passes 
the, these protests of against export. the protests against these things are bringing left and right together, bringing churches together. They're bringing people who wouldn't normally, you know, join hands in a cause, and and that's a good thing. And that's the last thing. That's the worst thing to see if you're a Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab. A Schwabite. It's so funny that he's the face of the WEF. You could not come up with a more villain type person. Like he's he's Doctor Evil. It's like but it's let's, the silliest, stupidest thing, and that and it's almost like they're laughing at us. It's almost like they're just making this as absurd as possible and just laughing because who's going to stop this? How do you hold? You know, Fauci. Fauci is now in the news again for being a proven liar. Who is going to hold him accountable? Who he deserves to be in handcuffs? Will he? No. Will he even be fired? No. Well, the, the funny thing is that that sort of provides a little bit of a smokescreen for them. That that Schwab is their their big evil face. The Wikipedia article on World Economic Forum says the foundation is funded by its 1,000 member companies, typically global enterprises with more than five billion dollars in turnover, right. varying by industry and region. Yeah, that means let me let me let me name some companies that that means Apple Computers. Yeah, you we're, all we're, be, we're being ruled by a corporate doctors. Okay, that that means that Apple Computers, the people that make your your luxury surveillance devices mm-hmm. that you wear willingly and enjoy. Samsung Electronics, okay? Mm-hmm. That's the luxury surveillance device I have right here next right. to me, okay? Those, Google, Alphabet, Ford, Chrysler. Yeah, you've probably got... The, the companies that own You've all probably these. got Pfizer in there. You've probably got uh, Abbott Labs. You've probably got some of the big food producers, Maybe some of the big news corps or en- uh, entertainment corps. I haven't looked at that list. Well, in 2011, an annual membership cost $52,000 for an individual member. So that's probably what John Huntsman Jr. paid for his vanity membership. Is Mitt Romney a member? Um, probably. Pa- probably. T- $263,000 for an industry partner and $527,000 for a strategic partner. So somebody who... And for what? For what? What you know? You pay half a million dollars for what? It's vanity. It's all vanity. No, it's control. Well, right, right, but it's mostly vanity. Vanity. And it's mostly control. Well, the control and the vanity go together. I go back to the uh, movie Iron Man Three, where Guy Pierce plays the bad guy, and he gives a monologue about how he decided that anonymity was better than. Mm-hmm. Publicity, and that's right. why he hired Ben Kingsley's Kingsley's character, the Mandarin, to play the evil warlord from the Middle East. See, th- in a macro way, <laughs> Iron Man three disclosed the total the totality right. of the project. In my opinion, they make everybody worry about the Middle East until they're ready to disclose who they really are. Right, which seems to be like we're at that point at the end of Iron Man three when the fiery evil ones. By remember, but, it's flipped. But control the WF, WEF, not the WWF or the W. Let's just call it the WEF. <laughs> they don't have any control. They don't have any legal authority over any of us. Okay, okay, okay. But Bobby, but we let their them. Member, we, no, no, no. Their member companies have great control. Well, some over of them us. do. 
they have a great hold on us. Some of them do, for sure. And this is why in Revelation chapter 17 or 18, it says Babylon was destroyed in an hour and the merchants of the world looked afar off at its smoking wreck and wondered and were aghast that no one buys their goods anymore. (laughs) No, no, no. We could read it right now. That would be so relevant because we're leading to that point when something's going to happen and people are going to stop buying their goods and then they lose their control. Well, yeah, we can't buy their goods because none of us are going to be able to afford them because outside of their walled ivory towers are hovels like that Amazon photo. Well, you were you were getting to something here, and I think that, I mean, we did have a little discussion about where we wanted to go with today's podcast, and we've we've, as usual, disregarded any prior thought, but... You had had a great article that you sent to me that you wanted to talk about, and it was entitled, What the Church Needs to Know About COVID-19. And I think this applies to anybody who's a member of any institution, because the church, and when this guy says church, it's written by a guy named Jeff Childers, or Childers. What he means by church is the congregation of the believers, not the... I think he is actually referring to the Catholic Church. You think he's referring to the Catholic Church? It sounds like that. Well, maybe not, because he says pastors and fathers. I didn't read part one and two of it, but the way I read it was that he's talking about now we take a look at the role of everyday Christians, I think which he, I to think me right. means, I think he means, means the body of Christians. Right, the body of, like... like The group of individuals. All not, Christian not, believers. Because, I mean, he, he brings up how uh, there was a church run by a guy named John MacArthur in L.A. County that was able to get a $400,000 settlement from L.A. County and then another like 500 grand from the state for having immorally shut them down that they that the edicts that shut them down were unlawful or or immoral and so therefore the the courts required them to pay damages right it's a good article and i think maybe it deserves its own deeper discussion maybe for a different day but we'll link to it and uh I think for me, what hit home the hardest was that so many churches and believers have acted on, acted out of fear instead of faith. Well, I bring it up because you you mentioned the institutional problem, the problem right. of, that all institutions are now focused on control, and Contr- they're yeah. they're they're control, not control, subservience, obedience. You don't have any. You you don't have. I hate to say in in absolute. They become corporate. They become commercial. You have very little. Uh, from institutions, whether that's churches or or governments or entertainment or hospitals or wherever, who are Cor- corporations who are telling individuals to rise up against this narrative, who are telling individuals to live in the in the case of the church, and this author points this out. You know, churches across the world are telling people to be afraid telling people to do what your government tells you to do, get the vaccine, lock down, shut down, avoid your friends and family, wear the mask because that's the Christ-like thing to do, do everything except believe and act in faith. Well, I think that's the big problem is that all the institutions have become essentially false saviors here. They, they've all been co-opted in some way by the 
legalistic commercial. Yeah, they've been infiltrated. What, what would you call it? The the commercial or or legal framework that provides the ability for them to operate as legal fictions. A legal fiction, of course, is the idea that uh, you need to you need to have some sort of a legal definition of a corporation so that it can be its own entity. It can. It, it, they call it a legal fiction because it's not actually alive, right? Like Bobby and I could transact, we could contract and everything because we're actual people. But Bobby's corporation, uh, Mandalay, Vandalay Industries... Importer, exporter. ...is not able to operate unless it is blessed by the state and then it can have similar rights as, a, as an individual. But then it, once, it become, once a legal fiction is born or created by the state, then it has to be beholden to all of the rules that the state creates for it to exist and operate. Otherwise, off with its head, and it's no longer a legal fiction. So these institutions are all built upon some sort of legal framework, and that's how the government then is able to pull the strings and, and cause them through a wide variety of laws that are already on the book and other regulations. They're able to induce them, whether it's through color of law or actual law, to do what they want. And in this case, with the coronavirus episode it's shut down scare people force them you know through the cattle shoots into concentration camps or force them to have vaccine passports or whatever that's what they're trying to do right now right and we're seeing that institutions by and large so you have you have small companies and big companies right and it's the big companies the big the big corporate organizations and the big church institutions and the big governmental entities educational establishments. I mean, just go look at, look at the companies, look at, look at your town and see where the big buildings are. The ones that have the money to build those big buildings, your public schools, your universities, your, your hospitals, your banks, the big companies like Amazon, where Bobby was just talking about this Amazon warehouse. They're the ones that are not able to help us as individuals. In fact, the ones that are attempting to exert control through through these nefarious means of force and these are also the members of the world economic forum it's no coincidence that the first thing and i think back in march when this all started in earnest all the members of the world economic forum shut down i i think i said to the you corporate members jordan i think i said there look at this they're they are taking away all of our support systems. So right off the bat, right, our churches were taken away or voluntarily shut down. Our schools, our entertainment, sports, our family gatherings, we were all isolated. Remember the stupid phrase that they even tried to paint it with. We're alone together. It's like, (laughs) no, no, you're either alone or you're not alone. If you're not alone, then you're together. If you're not together, then you're alone. You can't have it both ways. But they took away all of our our social support networks, not our social networks. They made sure we all still had access to those garbage cesspools. But our actual social networks, our, our connections with other human beings and the places we go to connect with people like church, like school, like sporting events, like movie theaters, like uh, restaurants and cafes were all taken away from us. That wasn't accidental. They wanted to isolate us, and then they knew they could feed us 
all the same garbage. Right. The, this this pandemic idea was the perfect excuse to do that. Yeah. And that, let's let's apply it to our desert island thought experiment here. Is it desert island or deserted island or dessert island? Dessert. I prefer dessert islands. Yeah. But you get those in buffets. They're usually off to the side from the main dishes, so you don't get pudding and jello and ice cream in the I think roast they call, beef. I think they call them desert islands because they're not there's not an abundance of water on on these type of islands so some maybe we need an island a, that some has of them water have natural some springs and you could live indefinitely on those yeah if you want so to. i don't know if that would be a desert island that might be a deserted island well anyway well if we if we go back to the if if we go back to that thought experiment there it's as if they landed a bunch of people on the island and then forbid them from talking to each other right and said, you need, to, you need to listen to this thing that communicates to you from, from, from the sky. And that's your only, it will be your single source of truth. <laughs> well, we're, we, you know, I mean, it's, it's like conquering 101. You divide and conquer. And, you know, a house divided cannot stand. We're, we are being divided at every level of our society from families. I know... Personally, I know families that are being ripped apart over BLM and pride and all this COVID stuff, over masks, over the vaccine. Uh, you have groups of people, you have communities, you have congregations that are being ripped apart over these issues. You have towns and states, and, and it goes all the way up to our, our national dialogue, and, and we're, we're told we're being ripped apart at a national level. We're most, more divided than ever. Well, if that's true, why is it? Why are we right. more divided than ever? Because we're being divided. Exactly. By the way, uh, Google, the first few results of Google seem to think that a desert island is one which has never been inhabited, whereas a deserted island is an island which was once inhabited but is no longer. It's been and deserted. And hence it's been deserted. So That makes sense. W anyway, we're talking about a divided island, an inhabited island that was once a desert island that's now been divided. <laughs> Isn't there a movie about that? Lord of the Flies? Oh, Gilligan. I just thought about Gilligan. Gilligan, they found a desert island? According to those definitions. But wasn't which they, they were attempting to there, desert. Don't they, find, don't, isn't there, don't they find some ruins or something, though, in one of the episodes? I don't know. It was a pretty cool island, and they were able to, because of the professor, they were able to have all kinds of Yeah, but he couldn't fix stuff. a hole in the boat? No. They couldn't make couldn't a boat. He could build a, a new boat, but he could build a, a radio out of palm leaves, coconut, and sand. Yeah, even back in the day, there were just these holes in the logic, right? There are these and the ideas that you just simply cannot think about, like the idea that asymptomatic really means healthy. <laughs> right. Well, two and that, plus two is five. Yeah, we're we're go, we're going to create a new world here where everyone is going to think. You know, we've that seen they some, might be sick even though they are healthy. We've seen some interesting things where, so the one of the premiers of Australia, which is like is like a governor, said that we will have an economy of the vaccinated. If you are unvaccinated, you will be locked out of our economy. And the thing that came to my mind was the. Revelation 13. Yeah. 
If you don't have the mark of the beast, you can't buy and sell. And then the ACLU. Remember, what are the word? What are the letters in the ACLU? What do those letters stand for? Do you remember? Yeah, the American Communist League. No, no, no. What? 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 what unhinged. Do, what, <laughs> not what do they mean, but AC, what do they? American Communist League unhinged. Yeah, that was pretty good right <laughs> off the bat. Right off the cuff. The American Civil Liberties Union, right? Civil liberties. Remember those things? Yeah, that's where you have the right to cower in your home mm-hmm. and listen to the state. The ACLU recently said that the vaccine passports don't inhibit freedom, but actually enhance our freedom. And the, what came to my mind was the opening words of 1984. Freedom is slavery. And it's like they're literally fulfilling all of these prophecies and these warnings. And it's just, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing and, and it's terrifying and it's fascinating. And, it, and sometimes you just have to shake your head and laugh at the absurdity of it all. But this absurdity is going to lead to some very dark, dark places. If we do not rise up and start acting as people of faith, as believers, well, what, as, well, as, as courageous people who value our freedom. Right. Well, so what were some of the things you got out of this article? That, I mean, that was the whole point is what can we do? as Christians. Well, he recommends like lawsuits and stuff. I don't think that's going to fly. I just don't think that's going to work. You you really going to find a judge that's going to say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to Well, in Utah allow this. In California it worked. Like they these uh, uh yeah, it did. smaller quote, mega churches, they they were able to to sue and get it through the courts. But in Utah, if you're a Mormon, for example, first of all, the lockdown was sort of voluntary. The church's shutdowns were voluntary. Well, weren't there public health orders prohibiting gatherings greater than 100 people or something? Yeah, at one point it was greater than 10 people, and we weren't allowed to meet in our own homes with friends. I, like, so you I couldn't invite you over. So if you had a home church or if you had a small church, you could have sued over that. But the problem with, if you remember, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was that because that that institution has archified... <laughs> archaified. It's taken all the order above your, outside of your local congregation. And this is a process that's happened in the, in the last hundred years where the money's been centralized in Salt Lake and all of the decision-making has been centralized in Salt Lake. If you're, if you're old enough to remember super activities, like when your when your ward decided to just go out and go boating on Lake Powell, like mine did when I was a kid, post, post these great experiences on the mindvirus.show website for this podcast because i mean i'm not saying that youth conferences or trek isn't a nice thing but we we would go out and have like fun right that was the whole point of like a four day a four day vacation with all the kids in the neighborhood and the and then their favorite adults right so the point i'm trying to make is that the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints the lds church has centralized in the last, in my lifetime at least, all the money and all the decision-making on things like that. And now we have a very top-down pyramid-style run well, if you were, church where everything is the same. It's also everywhere. important to remember the timeline that the church voluntarily closed temples and churches before the state mandates. Right. And see, that's a problem because you, you can't, if you're a member, you're going to have a hard time going out and suing the government on right. behalf you, of your church. Yeah. It won't happen So here. So our... Our situation is a little bit different. 
we 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 end up well, and like I, said, I don't think I don't fighting think against the church almost. Maybe in certain situations, this guy is also an, an attorney, so he's going to be more, and you know, he's going to be well versed in this idea. But to me, it was the philosophical things that that really stood out. He, and he has a saying. He says, "When the church wakes up, this will all be over." Well, he. It's interesting because I, I do think he's talking about church as the congregation, not yeah, the, the right. institution. Right. He but says, think about all the. You know, there's probably there's probably 150 million Christians in this country, half the country. Yeah. If all of those people were a, were woke up to what's going on and said no, all you need is about 20 million that are organized. You'd have a pretty powerful movement. In this country, the, that could fight effectively resist what's going well, on. The evil, the evil genius of what happened is they gained control of all these mechanisms, all these industries, these corporations, and then they have left the congregation, the churches, divided. Everybody, everyone's divided. That's the beauty of this. They've, and you were talking about that earlier. This is all about division because the division keeps us conquerable it keeps us from being able to mount any sort of a cohesive counterattack against their mind virus and I, I liked what he said here this is what i'm getting to he said in my last post i called on priests and pastors to wake up and realize they are wartime pastors and activate now i'm calling on every christian regardless of denomination you are a wartime christian we are in a war not a war against a virus it's a war being waged against church itself the church he says i I would add it's I would I would revise that and say this is a war being waged against reality and truth itself and we just found out that the war started months and months ago while we were sleeping so wake up so so this is a you know a plea to I think people who haven't been paying attention to this stuff for a long time but that is a really good point you're caught in a war and first off it's a war of ideas that's what Bobby and I've been trying to do is solidify and help aid people understand the reality and the morality of the the side that we're on, which is the anti-archy. The it's it's the opposing the current order, the control order side of things to try and get to a better order. Because we're not. I don't think we're proposing anarchy the only the only situation that i would think anarchy is going to work in is one of like-minded individuals if you if you have a group of like-minded individuals that lands on the desert island they have a short conversation about how we're going to be polite to each other and follow the natural laws outlined in the declaration of independence that will respect each other's life liberty and property and then we would go about our business working together to build community without a forced archy, without a, without a forced order. It would be a cooperative order. And an order would develop, an archae would develop, an archons, leaders, would develop, and you would essentially have what the Greeks called an aristocracy, coming from similar etymological roots, where you're ruled or governed by the best and the brightest. And so the best and the brightest on that island would naturally be now. the leaders. We don't have that now? <laughs> Again, I go back to that episode in Afghanistan when the president fled the country at the first sign yeah, of trouble. Yeah, but that's Afghanistan. We, this is the United States. These, Man, we're, these we, were we people, have the best and brightest. These are the people that we've spent 20 years and trillions of dollars trying to mold after the manner of our Western society. Were we trying to mold it or we were just trying to get a few people really, really wealthy? We were 
see, that's where you're thinking that that's, that wasn't the intended result. The best description I read about what happened in Afghanistan was it was a, a pre-planned act of geopolitical vandalism. The idea that this president left with all that money illustrates that he learned acutely, very intensely what it's all about right. with our elites Take in the, the money West. And run. Take the money and run. He he is the epitome of the West. He is not he's not the antithesis of the West. I'm not saying he didn't learn the lesson. I'm saying he learned it accurately and right. well and so well that he headed for the hills immediately well, because so he well saw the writing on the wall. He's gonna just walk away with two hundred million dollars and no one's well, nobody's raise talking an about eyebrow. it. Yeah. Well well, so what do we do? What, you're a wartime Christian. What do we do? Well, he, he talks about getting the spirit of fear out of your church. He says, he says, the spirit of fear has to be driven out of the church in the same spirit that Jesus drove the moneylenders from the temple. Quit parroting the ungodly, untruthful CDC. Stop with the fear-mongering masks, the vaccine pushing, the social distancing, the limits on singing. Uh, he says, uh, he goes on to say, lean into the spirit of truth, not the spirit of fear. I think that's a good place to start. Absolutely. And that's what we've been talking about. If you're, if you're only, if you're wearing a mask to church because you were asked to by somebody who has a authority, authority over you, stop, stop it. If you're wearing a mask to church because you genuinely believe that they're protecting you, whatever. But don't do it because somebody told you to do it, especially when it rattles your bones. You know, when it, when your gut instinct says this is wrong, but I just want to do the right thing and be obedient to my priesthood leader. No, your gut is telling you it's wrong because it is wrong. Covering your face is wrong. Don't do it. Just don't do it. I'm. You don't have to agree with me and you can keep wearing it, but do it. If you're going to do it, at least have some sort of pseudo-scientific reasoning behind it. Don't do it because <laughs> you're just trying to show everybody that you uh, are going to obey your stake president. Here's one thing I would offer, and I think this article is really good for this very point, is that if somebody starts to tell you that they're wearing a mask because they love their neighbor or that they're getting vaccinated because they love their neighbor, tell them that that is a heresy. It is a heresy. He calls it the, quote, love thy neighbor through COVID works heresy and he says it, you don't show love to your neighbor by treating them like a existential threat to your well-being and that's what you're doing or by acting like you're an existential threat to their well-being because right. we hear that bo both sides of that with the mask my mask protects me or no it doesn't protect me it protects you <laughs> which yeah, is the, mo the most absurd of of untruths that's been going around because it doesn't protect either of you well, in fact said it, it now with the increases vaccine too the vaccine only works if everybody has it which is what we now know Malarkey. is that the vaccine just doesn't work right that's period. the point that's the point but you when somebody starts to bring up this well i do it because of love you need you need to have a good intellectual argument prepared where you can politely if possible Explain that that's a heresy. How is it? How is abandoning people showing that, showing them that you love them? How is avoiding them and avoiding eye contact and not not touching them, not shaking their hand, not giving them a hug, not speaking with them, not knocking on their door to find out how they're doing? 
How is all doing all of those things, which is what we've been told to do over the last 18 plus months, showing love for your neighbor? It's not. It's abandoning them. You're abandoning them in the spirit of fear. Stop it. Stop doing that. Right. He, this pastor or this attorney, is he a pastor also? I don't, I think he's just an attorney. Oh, he has a good quote here. He says, every single headline I posted above, which um, he's posting all these headlines about how it's, you're loving your neighbor by wearing a mask and getting a, a vaccine. He says, every single headline I posted above is a dangerous heresy. Instead of preaching love and hope and joy, the fearful church is busy manufacturing a COVID-19's COVID-19 works-based theology. Instead of grappling with the spirit of fear, the government, the media, and even the church has been teaching we should practice all the fearful habits of non-believers, wearing a mask, social distancing, closing the church, and taking the vaccine, or otherwise we are sinning. Allegedly sinning by breaking Jesus' second commandment, because under this logic, we shouldn't challenge people's fear, but we should confirm it. And then he goes on to talk about how Paul says that the works of the law our death. Really good. Really good stuff here. You may, you may want to read this article. Yeah, we'll link to it. Absolutely. Vaccination doesn't end people's fear. It makes their fears worse. Well, you, we can see with our, with our own uh, uh, experience, you know, Jordan and myself, we've said a number of times we're Mormons, and the Mormon church is a house divided right now, partly because the church is trying to, uh, uh, they're jumped into this vaccine mask argument. They've made it, uh, you know, they've chosen their side, and they've they've tried to make it into a moral argument and a Christ, you know, uh, a Christ-like uh issue that Christ would wear a mask and get vaccinated, and you have the leaders of the Mormon church, the LDS church, have been saying for a while now that good Christians wear masks, and wearing a mask is Christ-like behavior. Those are divisive, ridiculous things for a church to say. Where is the faith? Where is the spirit of faith instead of the spirit of fear? And the spirit of truth. Right. Here's another quote from the guy. If we want to love our neighbors, we have to be courageous and lead them out of fear, not further into it. People are literally being psychologically crippled by fear. We have spent a lot of time, a lot of airtime here on the Mind Virus Show talking about how fear is killing us, how fear is the mind killer. Literally killing people. Literally killing people because it all starts in the mind. Everything starts in the mind. Everything's created spiritually before it's created physically. Everything that you do... It starts in the mind. And when we're dominated by fear, we make bad decisions and we destroy our society. We destroy ourselves and our society through the mind first. Then it happens physically. So he's he's got a great point. If you really love your neighbor, you will be an ambassador for truth. You will be a warrior for truth, as he describes. We realize we're in a war and we'll be courageous enough to help people identify the falsehood and come out of their fear into freedom. The truth shall set you free. He concludes um, with some words that maybe should be our concluding words today, because we did say we were going to try to keep this one a little shorter, didn't we? We we did. I don't know if we made a promise, but I think it's a, it's a short week. Maybe it's good to let the listeners off with a short, less homework assignments and <laughs> and... 
and less to think fewer, about. I don't know. Fewer homework assignments. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you are the pronunciator in chief. He says, he says, let them say that when the church and the nation called, we stepped up and answered the call. Let us pray to be courageous and not lukewarm. Let it be us and let it start now. I think those are great words. Amen, and, brother. And we're 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 behind. We're we're two three years behind, really, because this war didn't start when COVID started. I mean, we're a generation behind. Really. Well, this war's been going on since the beginning, right? But right. if we're really talking about end times, if we think we're caught in that nexus point in history, that singular time when the people, and and you know, this is a conversation on Zion. If, if we think we're going to be around at that time, we have to be those people. You know, to bring this back to our desert island or deserted island analogy, the reason you don't have to have a control-based archy or a government or order is because the right people are involved. That's my argument on Zion. Why hasn't Zion been created ever since the city of Enoch or the city of Salem? It's because the right people haven't been involved. If you're the right people, be those people. Be the people. Learn what you're supposed to learn. Be courageous. And live, live those principles. Well, you can create a Zion in your own community. It doesn't have to be this thing that, you know, especially in, in, in Mormon culture, we think of it as this far-off thing that will happen sometime. We'll move to Zion. We'll go to Independence, Missouri, or whatever. Right, right, right. But you No, know, you have to start it. You have to be the people. What is, what is Zion? The pure in heart. Right. So be pure in heart as best you can, and then act accordingly. Don't treat people like they're going to give you a disease because you walked by them in the, in the hallway at church and shook your hand or tried to shake your hand. Don't... Well, the look, view- and plus, let's be honest here. Mormons have the strongest immune systems in the world because we all grew up in nursery, <laughs> <laughs> being exposed to all kinds of pathogens. Well, but- the, be- the beauty of this situation, the beauty of this situation is that division will occur. The separation of the wheat and the tares is occurring. That this is what has to happen. It's been prophesied, and if you will go out and spread truth and be courageous and help people to come out of their fear you will gather to you like-minded people and you will right. be able to identify those with whom you are compatible and who would be part of that good archy as opposed to the bad archy that we have right now. Well, and that's the difference between the division of the wheat and tares and the division that we're seeing in the news. And that the, the wheat and the tares, you know, the divisive doctrine of Christ is a division of self-selection. It's people choosing who they want to be uh, associated with. Right now we're having top-down forceful divisions where people can't choose to be with anybody. They're just being ostracized and and locked out in the words of the Australian gremlin. And uh, don't be on that side. <laughs> don't be on the side of the the people forcing people into camps and into in exclusions and you know, we're we're going through something Remarkable. Right. Fight and, against the vaccine the, passport every chance you get. Let it be us and let it start now. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Oh, by the way, I don't know that we ever mentioned that today was September 7th, 1984. <laughs> 1984. Uh, we will be back next week. I uh, hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend as we celebrate uh, communist labor unions. 
Check us out <laughs> on the web at mindvirus.show. We'd love to hear from you if you have anything to say. I did have one friend redeem the uh, the promo code from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he survived thirty-seven. Yeah, we'll make good on that if we ever come up with the uh, omniversity. That's right, one month free. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Fifty-nine ninety-nine every other month after that. Everybody have a great week. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.